This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. Welcome to DSC's Campfires with Larry Wysoon, the unique blend of hunting, fishing, wildlife conservation, and the outdoor lifestyle. DSC's Campfires is brought to you by DSC, conservation, education, and hunter advocacy. Hornady, accurate, deadly, dependable. Trigicon, brilliant aiming solutions. Taurus, award-winning pistols and revolvers. Mossberg, American-built, American Strong, and the Red 55 Winery in Lindale, Texas. Signature wines of Grammy Award-winning country artist Miranda Lambert and owned by Rick and Beverly Lambert. Welcome to the campfire. Got a little something different we're doing this week. I was very recently asked to be a speaker at the Lee County Wildlife Association. The Lee County Wildlife Association there in Texas or here in Texas little town called Giddings. I was very honored to do so. I've been a speaker there in the past, but they asked me to talk a little bit, tell a few hunting stories and, and just kind of, oh, just kind of talk to people. We were very fortunate in the fact that there were something close to 700 people in attendance. Quite a few people I've known in the, from the past and, and uh, got to meet a bunch of new folks as well too, which is something I always truly enjoy. But I thought it might be a little bit different if uh, we just gave that program as part of the podcast today. So kind of sit back and relax and kind of play like you're sitting in the crowd or sitting around a campfire like we try to create that mood every week where we can and kind of sit back and, and kind of listen to some of the stories that I told and and uh, all those other kind of good things. So Appreciate you being with us around the campfire, and uh, let's see how this program unfolded. Greg, thank you. <laughs> and I sat out in front of a fire 
the world's greatest philosopher. Those are words that are written on the mantle of J. Frank Dobie's mantle at his place down in South Texas. J. Frank Dobie used to be a professor, as much as I hate to say it, at the University of Texas instead of Texas A&M University. <laughs> Woo! Get your majors! <laughs> but he was the poet laureate for a long, long time. And when you think about it, how many of y'all enjoy a campfire? I don't think there's anybody in here that doesn't enjoy a campfire. There's something about a campfire. It's kind of like some of that safe water that's back there in the back kind of loosens the tongue a little bit. You know, you sit around a campfire and you can learn so many things about people. You listen to all kinds of stories. What a absolutely special place to be during the hunting season and when you got that cold wind blowing out there out of the north about maybe five or six miles an hour, it's about 40 degrees, and that old fire that you got burning just, I mean, is out of this world good, and you stare into it for a while, and if you're like me, a lot of times you're the last one to go to bed because you love watching those coals, and every once in a while you'll poke that dead gum fire that sends all those embers going up in the sky, and it's almost like prayers going up kind of thing. Well, that's the mood that we want to set tonight. Other than that, a little bit later, we want you to borrow your spits. You spent some money already, but would you, we want you to spend a little bit more for this evening so with, with the auction that we got coming up here. And there's still an opportunity there, I'm sure, to drop a few more tickets in those, those containers back there. But what I thought I'd do tonight is just kind of talk a little bit about some management things, talk about some experiences, and maybe hopefully have you recall some. How many of y'all remember your first year? Before I get into that, how many of you ladies out there, because I love coming to a place where I see a bunch of ladies in an event like that. How many of you ladies hunt out there? For those of you guys whose wives, girlfriends, daughters, mothers, mother-in-laws, mistresses, and other female of the human species are here, if you've got an ego, let me tell you something, don't ever ever, ever take that woman hunting. Because you know what? She's going to outshoot you. She's going to outhunt you. It's, it's absolutely amazing. Over the years as a walleye biologist working on different ranches scattered across South Texas and a bunch of other parts of the world as well too, I had the opportunity a lot of times to take guys hunting who back when particularly had never shot a big white-tailed deer. Back when a 150 was one heck of a deer. We take those guys out and there'd be a big old buck come out, and you, it, 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 as soon as he'd see it, he'd start stuttering, and you can hear him go, <laughs> you know, okay, you take, well, that's, that's one you want to take right there. If you, you're really looking for a good deer, the gun goes up, the eyes closed, the deer's there, bang! Did I get him? Did I get him? Uh, no, sir, you missed him about 30 yards. You put that same deer out there in front of a lady, and you go, ma'am, that, that's a pretty nice deer. And she goes, that one's got all that pretty stuff on his head? Yes, ma'am, that would, that would be the one. Gun comes up, no heavy breathing, no increased heart rate. Gun comes up, safety comes off, bang! Deer drops in his tracks. Now, she has not been excited about anything until she starts walking up to that deer. 
And the closer she gets to that deer, she's all of a sudden her voice that's been very calm, all of a sudden it's going, Ma'am, I'm sorry, I couldn't hear what you said. <laughs> they get excited afterwards. The female of the human species is a natural barn killer. <laughs> Guys, remember that. Remember that. Especially you youngsters out there, you have not yet, you know, you're just getting to the point where the ladies are starting, the girls are starting to look kind of cute. Tell you what, be careful. <laughs> Be careful. I was very fortunate. I had two daughters, and I used to get so tickled because everybody, I, I mean, I, I can't hear very good from the front. I hear really well from the back. The good Lord blessed me with that for whatever reason. I'm not sure, but I can hear friends of mine talking. They go, oh, poor Larry. You know, gosh, if he just had two boys, just think of all the things that he could have done, the hunts that they could have done. I'm telling you something. My two daughters could outshoot and outhunt any hairy-legged boy that walked on the face of the earth. I remember taking them hunting. Started them off with a BB rifle. Went to a 22. When we got serious about hunting deer, I gave them a 270. We're sitting there behind a log on a place I used to manage up in North U Valley with either one of them. And one's Teresa's the older one, Beth is the other one. Beth happens to be my partner in the bar down at the uh, LaGrange called the Crown Bar, which is a little bit of an advertisement there, folks. So if you ever get a chance to come down, please come see us at the Crown Bar there, there in LaGrange. But we're sitting there. And I'm not wanting them to shoot a big deer to start with because I want them to grow into being able to shoot a big deer. Too many times over the years I've seen parents take kids, grandkids out. They shoot the biggest buck in their life and after that, you know, it's all kind of downhill. So we started off with little, little does and spikes and all this kind of stuff. Sitting there and the other thing I did is I wanted it to be fun. So I would find out everything that their mother would, did not want me to have, allow them to eat. You know, every kind of cookie, every kind of chip, every kind of soft drink, all those kind of things. I mean, I ply with all those kind of things we're out there. We're, we're sitting there and, and uh, you know, finally this little buck comes out and he's an older buck, a smaller antlered older buck, and I'm going, okay, that would, would probably be a good one for them to take. And without realizing, I'm like that hunter I described earlier. I am looking through the binoculars and I'm going, take that one. And all of a sudden, I'm realizing I'm going. <laughs> feel this tugging on my boy, 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 boy. Look up, my daughter looks up at me. She goes, Daddy, are you having a heart attack? <laughs> Folks, that is the greatest heart attack that ever happened. There is nothing that compares to it. Again, they go bang and the deer goes down. And I've often said, I'm, I'm, I'm very proudly a straight man. But if there were one feminine trait that I could pull out and play it right here, it'd be one of those things to where, but when I see that animal that I want to take, that I'm not the one to go, <gasps> close my eyes and pull the trigger kind of thing. So I, I remember a time years ago, I grew up not very far from here. I had a lot of friends in, in, in Lee County many, many years ago. And I grew up in Colorado County, a little German-speaking community called Zimmerscheid, kind of between Frillsburg and Columbus. Couldn't speak English until I started grade school. My mom hunted. 
My mom hunted hard. But for some reason, never could we find a buck. And it wasn't until I was at Texas A&M University and had spent time with, there we go, guys, I love it. <laughs> at Texas A&M University, and I was working for the Wildlife Disease Project where we caught deer every day as part of the research projects that we were involved in. Had pens out back behind the vet school, had about 150 deer, and I learned how to catch deer. Very, pretty good. I'm sitting in a stand in, in, in northern part of Colorado County where we hunted, just, just out of Frillsburg, just south of Frillsburg. And my mom always was the last one to come into our camp. Our little camp was only about a half a mile behind the house, but we had a little one-room tin shack there that we stayed in during hunting season. She'd come in, and I'd, what'd you see, Mom? You know, she'd go, well, I saw some does. Well, I'm sitting up in a tree one day, one afternoon. I look down, and here comes this little buck. It's right there. Well, I've been watching Wild Kingdom and all those other things, and I've been catching deer like crazy, you know, and all that kind of stuff. I said, you know what? I bet I can jump down on that deer and grab that deer. And so he sure enough, he comes down. I bailed out of that tree like Tarzan, if you remember from many years ago. We probably already know who Tarzan is anymore. But, I mean, he was this guy that, that lived in the jungle, you know, wore a breech cloth and, and had a big knife and and a pretty lady that followed him around everywhere he did. I jumped out of that tree, knocked that deer down, grabbed that deer, flanked him. And if you ever catch, have to catch a deer, grab that deer right behind, or right in front of the hindquarters, right here in the flank, throw his hip around this way, grab his head right here, and every time he kicks, he's kicking this way, and he's not going to hurt you. Well, that's what I did. So I jumped down there, grabbed that deer, and I took off to where my mom always hunted out of the same tree, at a fast walk. Back then I was a whole lot tougher and, and uh, a little faster and a little stouter than I am now. Grabbed that deer, ran over there, and Mom always stayed there until dark. I get there, she's not in her deer stand. And I go, what in the hell am I gonna do with this dadgum deer now? So I noticed, you know, she had a rope that she tied her gun on that she pulled up. You know, when she got it to stand. So I thought, well, you know what I'll do is I'm going to run over. I walked over there. I tied that poor little buck's horns up to where he's walking around his hind legs all around. And I took off to our camp just to run as fast as I could. And I got there just a little bit, you know, still enough legal shooting time where I knew we could get back. I said, Mom, you're going to come with me. You're going to go kill a deer. You're going to kill a deer. She said, how do you know? I said, just believe me, you're going to go kill a deer. Come with me. Come on, let's go, let's go, let's go, let's go, let's go. So she finally, okay, you know, I said, so we walk up there and sure enough, I get back there and it's still legal shooting time and here's this little buck running in circles on his hind legs. I said, shoot him, shoot him. She shot. When we got up there, she realized his horns were to where he was kind of hanging on that tree. She said, she said, what am I gonna do? I said, where are you gonna take there? You shot your first there. She said, what am I gonna tell people? And he said, she said, I said, well, look, I said, how many times have you heard when my dad killed a deer or when I shot a deer that we'd get back somewhere and they said, well, who tied that sucker up for you? I said, so just tell them the truth. I said, you walked up to your stand, this deer was tied up to the tree, and by golly, you shot him. Very simple. So she did. Of course, everybody laughed, and nobody ever knew for a fact until a few years ago how we actually got that deer down. One more question before we get out of here, and we'll talk a little bit about management. I'll be here later if you want to ask some management questions. But uh, how many of y'all rattle? You ever rattle up a white tail buck? 
I see Jim Bob over here waving his hand and a few others out there, but you know, rattling is, is so much fun. And over the years, I've had the opportunity to rattle for bucks, not only here in Texas on some of the best ranches farther south, but all throughout, all the way up to Canada and all the way down into Mexico. And the experiences of, of a buck coming in when those bucks are in the rut and you hit those antlers together and they come charging in. And I mean, here they come and they run up there right in front of you. Their eyes are bugged, you know, the hair standing on them. They're drooling, look like the sunshine, look like silver's falling out of their mouth kind of thing. That is one of the most fantastic ways in the world to hunt white-tailed deer. And if you've never done it, you need to keep trying. Please keep trying, because once it happens, you, you will be hooked. Well, I was able to rattle up all kinds of different things over the years. I've rattled up game wardens, I've rattled up trucks, I've rattled up the other hunters, you know, uh, down south when it's still, I guess, uh, not politically incorrect, call people wetbacks. I've rattled up a few wetbacks down there as well, too. Rattled up mountain lion down in Mexico one time, coyotes and bobcats and all those kind of things. Well, years ago I had a, had a dear friend, still a dear friend, Jay Wayne Fears from Alabama. Wayne used to write for all the different publications and he was married to a very lovely South, South Alabama lady who had the most fantastic tone to her voice. I mean, she'd, she'd just bow you over whenever you heard her talk. And she told, I was there in Alabama one day and she said, uh, she said, Larry, she says, I, I really want to see a rattled up. Somebody rattle up the box. She says, I've never seen a buck rattled up. I said, oh my God, Sherry. I said, Miss Sherry, we need to get you down to Texas. You need to come hunt with me. So they came down. We set it up just about the time when all the stuff was going on as far as bucks coming horn. Got down there, and I was hunting a ranch that I knew very well. Rattled and rattled and rattled and rattled until my fingers hurt, my arms hurt. My pride was hurt worse than anything else. So I found her, gosh, somebody, what are we going to do? Well, I remembered this one spot over across a little old thicket, not too far from a creek bottom, that we had not yet rattled. And it was one of those places where I'd always rattle up bucks in the past. And being truthful about it, I kind of saved it, you know, just as a last effort kind of thing. So we got in there early one morning about, you know, the sun had come up. Again, it was crystal clear. It was Oh, it was quiet. You know, you can know you can hear those horns rattling from four or five hundred yards away, and I've rattled up that far from the past. I thought, this has got to be it. I sat down there and hit those horns together, started rattling, started grunting, going, ah, ah, made a snort wheeze, which is a, which is the most aggressive sound that a buck makes a lot of time right before they fight. Did all that kind of stuff, and I was rattling and rattling. And I looked over Sherry sitting over here, Wayne sitting over here, and all of a sudden I looked over and oh my God, here comes movement through the brush. Thank you, Lord. Finally, 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 the buck's coming to horn. I kept rattling, I kept grunting, and then all of a sudden here comes this fighting rooster. <laughs> he lands about from here to that table right there, and he goes. I didn't know what to do. For a second, I didn't know whether Sherry's going to shoot me, whether she's going to shoot the rooster or anything else. So, you know, you never know what, what, what's going to happen. So, you know, we live in some very interesting times in a lot of different ways. Hunting gets a, a bad rap a lot of times, but if it weren't for us hunters, there would be no wildlife. Doesn't make a difference whether it's Africa, whether it's North America, whether it's Europe, you name the continent. And if wildlife has a value, such as it does here, with our landowners who receive money for leases, and we gladly pay to hunt those leases, 
Were it not for that, they'd probably destroy all the habitat there was. The same thing would happen in a lot of the European countries, which it already has there, but also in Africa. There are organizations like VSC and the DSC Foundation that fight those things on a daily basis, and we need to try to support that organization particularly. DSC does so very much, so very often they don't get credit for it. Other organizations jump on the opportunity to take credit for it, and we don't get credit. But if you're not a member of DSC, it may, I strongly encourage you to do so. You can just go to biggame.org kind of thing. But were it not for hunters, there would be no wildlife. You can pat yourself on the back. You're the ones who pay for conservation. You're the ones who pay for not only the game species out there, but you're the ones who pay for the non-game species. You know, they talk about the monarch butterfly. They talk about uh, Reuben crane and a whole lot of those others. And if it weren't for the dollars that we as hunters contribute, thanks to the Pittman-Robertson Act and what we contribute in terms of hunting licenses and what we contribute in terms of the landowners supporting the habitat, there just wouldn't be any wildlife. So I, I, I'll take my hat off to you. I, I appreciate Lee County Wildlife Association, what you guys do, the landowners, the hunters, because if it weren't for you, Lee County wouldn't be what it is. I congratulate you for what you do, and I applaud you for what you do. Now tonight, you've got an opportunity to spend a little money. You've already spent some. The meal has been absolutely fantastic. Here's an opportunity tonight to support Lee County and what you guys do here. And again, I so very much appreciate the opportunity to be with y'all tonight. Please dig deeply. You've got some great auction items coming on. You've already got some great raffle items out there and buckets ticket type things, but uh, you know, there's still some chances to spend some money tonight. So, ladies and gentlemen, thank you so very much for allowing me to be here with you tonight. And I truly appreciate it. If you want to learn a little bit more, you can go to LarryWhiteCity.net. I've got my book, my podcast, TV shows, everything, blogs there as well, too. So, just LarryWhiteCity.net. Appreciate it very much. And sir, thank you. DSC's Campfires has also been brought to you by The Crown Bar in LaGrange, Texas. Habit, our gear, your adventure. The Texas Wildlife Association, Double Nickel Taxidermy, Burnham Brothers Game Calls, and H3 Whitetail Solutions.